The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 16, and especially these words. The rich man said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes it's the smallest letters, or excuse me, the smallest words in our language that carry with them quite a bit of weight. And that's why today I want to focus in on just one word, really, of our gospel reading. One word that contains only two letters. It's that word, if. The parable that we're told in our reading tells us about this nameless rich man, and then a poor man named Lazarus, who have both died. The rich man has went to Hades, which we more often call hell. The poor man ends up at Abraham's side, that place we might call paradise. You know, there's much that could be said about everything that this parable has to teach. But today I want to focus in on that last dialogue in our parable today. You see there that rich man being tormented in hell asks for a favor. He asks that if perhaps Lazarus, who is there with Abraham, might take his finger and just dip it in some water and come and touch his tongue, for he was in great agony. However, he finds out that this is not possible. Abraham tells him that there is a great chasm fixed between the people of God and the people who have rejected God. Once he figures out that such relief is not coming his way, his thoughts turn to those about his brothers. He asks then, if possible, could Lazarus go back from the dead? And could he tell his brothers that they do not want to come to that place of torment? He believes that if that happens, well, then his brothers will turn to God in faith. However, Abraham refuses this as well, for he knows that his brothers already have everything they need to believe. They have the very word of God, Moses and the prophets, and if they don't believe based on the word of God, no miraculous event would change that. No, not even if someone was raised from the dead, would they come to believe. Yes, that's that word, that little word that carries a lot of power. You see, that rich man in Hades truly believed that if the circumstances were different, well, then his brothers would come to believe in the Lord. But do you understand what saying that really means? I mean, it suggests in the end that his brother's unbelief was not their own fault. Their unbelief was the fault of God, who had not done enough miraculous things. He suggests that their unbelief is God's fault, ultimately, even though God had revealed to them everything they needed to know in Moses and the prophets, 
they had heard time and time again, it was still, in his mind, God's fault that they did not believe. If he did something more eye-catching, well, then everything would change. But in the end, we know that is not how faith works. And yet, while it is not how faith works, we all at times think a little like this, don't we? That we think that if God would just do some really big miracle, well, then more people would come to believe. Or that if he'd let us see something really impressive, well, then our own faith would be just as impressive. Yes, we can believe at times that the lack of obvious miracles that our eyes take in at least gives us reason to doubt from time to time. We think, you know, if my cousin was miraculously healed of their cancer, well, then they would finally believe. If that atheist who just published that new book would have some sort of miracle occur right when he's speaking, well, then he would believe. If God would just put up into the sky some sort of sign that no one could explain as a natural occurrence, well, then every last person would turn. Let me ask you this. If that's the way it worked, don't you think God would just do it and get it over with? After all, he wants every last person to be saved. And so, if it was just that easy... He would do a couple signs, everyone would believe, and we would all go off into that happy ever after. But that's not the way that faith works. No, indeed, the scriptures tell us that there is only one way that faith comes to a person. And that is through hearing the word of God. Oh yes, sometimes throughout history, God accompanies his word with miraculous signs as well. But it is truly that word that brings faith. Yes, as Abraham says, anyone who then has access to that word of God has everything they need in order to believe. And no matter what miracle God might place before their eyes, well, they won't believe any more because of the miracle than they would have because of the simple word heard in their ears. Yes, they might see a miracle and think, oh, that's quite something. Oh, they might even tell a few people about what they had seen. But in the end, it wouldn't create true faith. And that's the truth we're called to embrace this day. And yet again, I think even when we hear it, we're just a little skeptical. We really do believe if God stepped it up, more people would believe. Even with our own faith. At times we can come up with all sorts of things that God could do to make it a lot easier for us to believe and to act, every, act as we should every day. You know, if only that illness or that weakness would go away in my body, well then I'd have so much more reason to love God. If only every once in a while I could see a legitimate, nobody could doubt it miracle, well then it would be much easier to go and tell others about Jesus. If somebody would come back from the dead and tell me about that experience, well then I could trust God's promise all the more. Of course, not even the scriptures 
give us any story that would back up the idea that miracles create faith. Much to the contrary. You remember the Israelites of Gon when they were coming out of Egypt? They walked on dry land right through where the Red Sea used to be. Quite a miracle indeed. And yet, not many chapters later in the Bible, we find them fashioning themselves a golden calf to worship. 5,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fish. And the scriptures tell us that at the end of the day, the people that received that miracle really only wanted another meal, rather than placing their faith in the one who had provided the first. Elijah, the great prophet of old, was there at Mount Carmel and watched as God defeated the prophets of Baal by licking up not only the sacrifice that Elijah had placed on the altar, but all the water that he had poured on top. And yet again, a chapter or two later, we find Elijah whining that he is all alone. And it's despite what we would like to believe, miracles just don't create faith or sustain them. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Only as the Spirit works through the Word is faith created and sustained. After all, one did come back from the dead. A guy named Jesus, about three days after he had died, rose from the dead. He appeared to many people in order to prove that his resurrection was real. And yet, not everyone believed. Even today, many scholars will admit, even those who do not believe, that Jesus' resurrection in historical terms is hard to deny based on the facts. And yet they still don't believe. No, they didn't believe in the days when he was walking around the earth, and they still don't believe today. Not even with the miracle of the resurrection as a witness. The scriptures are pretty clear. Either one has ears to hear, or they do not. It's not the size of the miracle or the eloquence of the way the word is presented that causes faith. Either the heart is hardened with pride or the heart is soft through humility. Yes, either the word and the work of the spirit are received or it is rejected. It's not about whether God has given enough miracles. It's not that if he did something more, we would believe. And that means that we all personally have to give up our excuses for our own lack of fear, love, and trust in God. We have to stop ask, acting as if the reason we don't always have consistent faith is the fact that God just doesn't provide enough wow moments in our lives. In the end, we have to stop blaming God for our doubts and our unbelief and take that squarely upon ourselves. And when we do, God will come to us and he will give us exactly what we need. In most cases, there will be no miraculous sign attached. Well, unless you count the fact that he is taking your sins and casting them as far away as they can possibly go. Unless you count the fact that he is giving you his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you in order that your faith might be strengthened. But those things he will do most often through normal means. Through his word. Through his spirit. 
In those ways, he will remind you of the one thing that truly creates faith. He will remind you of the love of God. That love of God which was stretched out upon the cross. That love of God that walked out of the tomb. That love of God, Jesus Christ himself. He is the word. He is the word that brings faith. He is the word that sustains faith in those whom have been called. Yes, that word restores and sustains our faith. And it does so until that day when we, like that poor man Lazarus, are finally called to Abraham's side. We pray that that same word then would go out into all the world, that faith might be created whenever and wherever the Spirit wills. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen.